We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me, as always, Jack Manuel. Jack, another game, another win, another 50-piece. How are we doing? Kevin Wayne Durant. KD drops 53 in a win over the Knicks on a Sunday matinee. Nets take the W 110-107. We're going to jump into that and plenty more. Make sure you check the buzz on all streaming platforms. Jack, we're starting with KD. We're starting with KD, 53 points, 19 of 37 from the field, 4 of 13 from the from 3, 11 of 12 from the free throw line, 9 dimes, 6 boards, 2 steals, 5 turnovers, plus 11. What more can be said about this, man? I don't know. I don't know what can what else can be said because we've described him all season long and he's been awesome. You know, it was a masterful performance from KD. Workload was insane. Uh, a, a insane amount of respect from the Knicks and Tom Thibodeau in that fourth quarter sending doubles his way. There's just so many things to like about this game for Kevin Durant and what he did out there. And just taking on that scoring load without Kyrie, without Seth. Obviously, no Joe Harris, no Ben Simmons. And KD put the team on his back and got that W. Look, he is just an incredible, incredible performer night after night after night. He's, I don't know, he, his leadership this season has been something that's unparalleled. His workload has been unparalleled when he's been out there and healthy and just continues to put this team on his back and just like, you know what, I'm not letting us, you know, get a loss to the goddamn New York Icks you know, <laughs> without, especially when I'm playing in front of my best friend and in front of my mom. Um, he is just a, an awesome, awesome player. And what he does... You know, he, he was doing absolutely everything tonight. And yeah, he had a couple of turnovers here or there, but you understand that with the workload and the, the defense that was being played on, especially in the second half. And uh, he is just, he's an anomaly. He is one of one. And we are very lucky to have that one of one on our own team. Yeah, I mean, this is a game the Nets need to win. Every game from here on out is a must win, especially against a lesser opponent. And even with guys out, you can rely on KD to pick up and get you that W. And like you said, Jack, his leadership and his workload it's hit a different level since he's come to Brooklyn. He, his leadership was never this way in Golden State or in uh, OKC. You know, workload probably similar to early OKC days, but even sometimes it's with no other superstars on the floor, another no other really supporting cast. And today it was just pretty much Bruce Brown and Andre Drummond and the rest of the crew really didn't give him much help from an offensive perspective. So KD did what he needed to do. And, 
even with the Knicks sending immense double teams at him throughout that fourth quarter, you know, doubling him at half court at one point, he was still able to find a way to get that final punch and that big three-point bucket late in this one. What were the best moments, Nick? It was probably that three-point moment for me, Jack. It's like he's getting doubled, gives the ball to Gorin. Gorin's able to hit him back. He goes baseline, throws it back to Gorin, and then he gets one split second of freedom. He capitalized on that, sprints to the three-point line, hits a contested shot over R.J. Barrett. And like I said, that was just really like that final punch. There was also a nice dunk uh, in this game as well. I wouldn't call it a poster on Mitchell Robinson, but Robinson was definitely in the vicinity. It was maybe like a magazine cover. Yeah, so- Look and 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 look. I, he just has moment after moment after moment. Mine obviously has to be calling Evan Fournier not small, but <laughs> mini, where he's just like I'm sure girlfriends and exes and jaded lovers all around the world are going to be using that with their their partners for many many years to come. It's just and there's a bit of creativity in some of the trash talk that KD has. I, just, yeah. I wish he was mic'd up like you know some of the other guys are, and you know we don't just hear Steve Nash clapping half the time. We hear some of the trash talk from KD because he's his trash talk has been premier, absolutely next level of late. And look, he's got a person. It seems like the Nets franchise has a personal vendetta against Evan Fournier, Nick. But I'll throw it at you because we had Kyrie Irving making Evan Fournier praying to every single deity that there is living in all religions last year's in last year's postseason. We got KD calling him goddamn mini, you know, literally, you know, judging this man's masculinity and, and size. Which one is more embarrassing and worse for Evan Fournier? You know, I think this is probably more embarrassing. Just, you know, last year was the playoffs, but this is like a personal stage, one-on-one, national TV, 1 p.m., and Katie's just disrespecting him. And, you know, like you said, it's not the first time it's happened. It felt like last year in that series that he was just getting disrespected left and right. It was like, get Evan Fournier in an ISO, and it's a bucket. And that was the case. Fournier's had this, had some things to say about the Nets, and he played well today, but his defense is not not it. His defense is less than it. It is it with the out the T. It's just I. It's just. It's awful. not even tiny. It's not there. No, it's it's not. It's it's not even there. It's minuscule. It's atomic like. But yeah, Kevin. Any other things that you want to touch on with this Kevin Durant masterclass, Nick? It just seems to me that if he if Kevin Durant were to play to have this level of low throughout his entire career, you know, he might be put. I mean, he already is pushing some of the all time scores given his level of efficiency. He is just. Uh, one of the great scorers that we have ever, ever seen. Yeah, I mean, just the workload was insane today. And it was still a good efficiency. We're talking 51% from the field and 37 field goal attempts and nine assists and six rebounds and played 43 minutes, just constantly working out there. And obviously there wasn't, like I said, another guy to alleviate that load. You know, Patty didn't have a good game. Gorn didn't really give you much scoring. Cam's back seems to be messed up. And obviously, like I mentioned, no Kyrie, no Seth. It was a lot of attention on Kevin Durant, and he took double teams, he took triple teams, he took contested shots, whatever it was. He got the job done and put on a heck of a performance, and it's just been incredible to watch him play as a net. No Kyrie, no KD, Nick. I'll I'll, I'll preface that with the (laughs) fact that Kyrie was in the arena. Seems to be a big fan of Barclays after being there last night for the Duke game as well, alongside another guy that was in Barclays tonight, RJ Barrett. The nonsensical, illogical mandates right now we hear eric adams talking shit to hecklers at his press conferences <laughs> i i don't i don't know what to say I'll, I'll i might leave it to kevin durant in a little bit i want to hear your thoughts because kevin Durant was pretty extensive in his thoughts i'll give lebron james's thoughts if everyone yep. wants to hear those very very soon in, in tweet form try my best to read that out loud but nick 
Make it make sense. Hashtag make it make sense. If it doesn't make sense, you can't make it make sense, right, Jack? So that's where we're at right now. I, I mean, this was the opportunity for the Nets to kind of push this to a national scale, and they did that. I, we don't know how much they you know, pushed Kyrie to sit courtside. I'm sure Kyrie wanted to sit courtside or be at the game to support his teammates regardless. So now it got popped up to a higher level, and now everyone is seeing that he is allowed in the arena to watch the game with no mask, no vaccine card, but he is not able to step on the court and play. He's able to do every other thing. You know, he's able to walk around freely, even go into the Nets locker room, uh, communicate with his teammates, even hug Kevin Durant after the game. But he was unable to play in the game. It makes no sense. And it's the highest level of frustration. And credit the Nets and Kyrie for kind of pushing it to be apparent for everyone across the nation, especially in a, a nationally TV, televised game like this. Yeah, it's funny because I predicted on the the next Kingdom crossover. Make sure you guys check that one out. We discussed a heap of other topics as well. Like Kyrie Irving would be there, hopefully with like his family and stuff. His wife was there, his sister was there. I don't think his dad was there, but no, we saw him courtside. Apparently, he's paying for these tickets as well. I'm sure Joe's probably going to reimburse him for for some of those tickets and some of that money as well. But I'll go to Kevin Durant here because I think that his response is is great. And he said this to uh, the Nets media: "It's ridiculous. I don't understand it at all." I don't get it. I just feel like at this point now, somebody's trying to make a statement or point to flex their authority. Everybody out there is looking for attention. That's what I feel like the mayor wants right now, some attention. He'll figure it out soon. He better. It, doesn't ma- it didn't make any sense. There's unvaxxed people in this building already. We've got a guy who can come into the building. Are they, are they fearing our safety? I don't get it. We're all confused. Pretty much everyone in the world is confused at this point. Early on in the season, people don't understand what was going on. But, but now, it just looks stupid. Hopefully, Eric... You got to figure this out. Call him Eric. That's a that, that's a low. I love it. The, I love it when Kevin Rand calls people by like their first name because, you know, I mean, you call me Jack all the time, but Eric is a <laughs> Eric Adams. Eric, figure it out, Eric. It's like Eric Cartman. Yeah, I think when you don't know someone personally and then you address them by their first name like that, I think it definitely you know sends a little bit of a message. And obviously, you know, Katie, one of the most influential athletes in New York and you know in the nation in terms of being one of the best basketball players in the league, and. We've seen him kind of like push back against the mandate a little bit, but this is the first like clear attack, you know, like, hey, dude, like this makes no sense. Eric Adams fix this. We all saw what happened today and we're going to kind of continue to push the envelope until you make the change because there's really no real reasoning behind it. Nothing necessarily supports this this idea. If Kyrie can enter the arena and sit there and watch the game, there's no reason for him not to be able to put on a uniform and play. He's not having any more or less of an impact from a science perspective. No, and in saying that, like, you know, when things don't make sense, the longer they go on, the worse they look and the less yes. sense that they make. The more nonsense the more people it notice more, it. Yeah, the more, the, the greater exposure, the more illogical, the more nonsensical it becomes. And a person who agrees with me on that, Nick, is LeBron James. And I'll give you the quote. I'll give you the quote tweet, funnily enough. Caps lock. Facts, facts, facts. Exclamation mark, exclamation mark. It literally makes a caps lock. Absolutely zero sense. Exclamation mark, exclamation mark, exclamation mark. They say if common sense were common, then we'd all have it. Ain't that the truth? Face palm, face palm, face palm emoji, face palm emoji. Hashtag free Kyrie. I love it, Jack. Excellent job. I, I feel like that was really LeBron's tweet. If you could, you couldn't really describe it any better on audio, right there. But again, another big influence, especially in the sports world, a national influence in LeBron. You know, arguably the most influential athlete in the world, and he's coming out and saying like, "Hey, this makes no sense." He doesn't play for the Nets. He has no interest in the Nets being successful. Uh, so 
to have him come out and do that, I think it definitely pushes the envelope. You know, next thing is, you know, Adam Silver even coming out, maybe being even more aggressive. We already saw him kind of push back against it. You know, what was it a couple of weeks ago? So this continued push towards it and spotlight on something that doesn't make sense. It all of a sudden just makes you look bad as a politician. And yeah, it can go one of two ways with Eric Adams. He can realize like, hey, this is dumb. Let me change it and make more sense of this situation. Or he can dig deeper into a dumb idea. It's it'll, it'll say a lot in terms of what he's looking to do moving forward and how this situation has impacted him. Because today was a big day for the amount of attention it received. Like these these last four hours is the most attention it's received probably all season. No, definitely. And you know, when it, a spotlight is on stupidity, you know, you'd like <laughs> that it can change the the course of action to make things at least seem logical, not smart, but just logical. And you know, obviously, both both you and I have been pro-vaccine. We've spoken about the Kyrie situation probably too much that we that we even like to. But it doesn't change the nonsense. Like I, I'd want to hear someone. You know, hit me up in the DMs if you're one of these people that knows if there's anyone that's affected by this rule other than Kyrie Andrew Irving. You know, we've mm-hmm. seen other unvaccinated players, Andrew Wiggins, Justin Holiday, are two names that come to mind. Go to the Barclays Center and go out there and play. And the, both those guys, I think Andrew Wiggins is vaccinated now, yep. but Justin Holiday, I don't think is. And there's probably other players that we don't know behind the scenes that are as well. There's, there's fans that were probably in the arena tonight that weren't yep. vaccinated. It's just like, it's there's a personal vendetta against Kyrie Irving here. It's just Eric Adams. Look, I I don't. I don't want to hear his name ever again. I'm hoping you know, soon enough that it's just like, I, I, I just, I'm over it, Nick. I'm well, really, we're just to really the point where it. hopefully there's no New York City mandates that impact Kyrie Irving and his ability to play. You know, like, obviously, this is a once-in-a-lifetime pandemic, and the after effects are once-in-a-lifetime as well. I think it's just annoying and the fact is that so many other things are opened and he's encouraged people you know to go out and you know experience new york city and get the city back to life but he's still maintaining some of these things that don't logically make sense and i think that's that's what's frustrating it's just on every other level it seems like hey Kyrie should be playing but for whatever reason he's not able to play and like you said i there we haven't really had anyone come out and explain like why like you know what i mean there's no no explanation given to us no, there's no rhyme or reason. And we did hear Woj say that there is increased optimism from the Nets about they've had discussions with the New York City's office, mayor's office or whatever. And it's just like, did you just hear what Eric Adams said today? I, I, look, I don't know where the news is coming from, whether this is just you know strategic leaking from Sean Marks, which he's been pretty good at over the past yeah. couple of months in saying that too. How much do you buy it, Nick? You know, I think like it's a little like they're giving the Nets enough and the Nets now are showcasing like, hey, we're receiving information from them saying that this is going to change. And then if it doesn't change, it makes them continue to look bad because they're feeding the Nets something that obviously is inaccurate. So I feel like it's the Nets trying to hold some accountability to the mayor and his group and making sure like, hey, if you're telling us this, like then this better better be what's happening because obviously Joe Sai is uh, a powerful you know player in all of this given the amount of money that he has and obviously he's a New York City resident. Yeah, and hopefully you know we, we don't know how it'll pan out, but we'll obviously be covering it. and hopefully we're covering Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving games for the extended period you know for the rest of the season and the playoffs going forward. But we're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, 
and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Nick, we'll get into Bruce Brown because I think Bruce Brown was the, the second best performance yeah. tonight. He played 41 minutes, 7 or 14 from the field, didn't hit a three ball, one or two from the free throw line, seven boards, including three of them offensive. Also had five dimes and two steals uh, and 15 points plus nine on the night, only behind Kevin Durant in that stat. Bruce is just continuing to be an absolute force post-trade deadline, Nick. Yeah, he's been awesome. And I mean, credit him too. I playing 41 minutes, 42 minutes and having that level of energy throughout the game. I thought he also kicked things off well for this team, was able to create some turnovers early in this one, got a couple wide open dunks. Uh He's just been able to capitalize on different opportunities, be it in transition, be it cutting, be it a lane to attack the rim. And late in this fourth quarter of this game, you saw him hit some contested floaters over Julius Randle. You just really love every aspect of him. And he's back to being a high impact role player on this team. And like I've mentioned before, he's been one of probably the best role players in the NBA over the last couple of weeks in terms of what he's been asked to do and how he's gone over that level and more. No, and he's been truly incredible. And, you know, I think his confidence is there. He's starting to hit that floater a bit more consistently. You know, he's looking like, I think it might have been KD that said this, just like a basketball player. Yeah. You know, and I think that he's doing things on both ends of the floor. Obviously, his offense is going to be limited in comparison to what he can do on the defensive end of the floor. But because he's doing basically everything other than, you know, spacing the floor, which he's been okay at, um, to, to say that as well, he's just being a, an impactful player. And his importance is is rising, especially when you've got Seth Curry out, you've got Kyrie Irving out, you know, Ben Simmons is still, you know, working on the on the back injuries too. So credit to Bruce because he's been super-duper important, super-duper impactful, uh, and he's been a, an incredible part of of this Nets, you know, now three-game winning streak also. Yeah, and his defense is back to being high-level too. And I think offensively, you know, he's having an impact. And like you said, KD called him a basketball player because he's not just in that niche role he played last year. He's impacting the game in different ways and finding other ways to be useful. But getting back to the defense, he's back to blowing things up, being a nuisance, creating turnovers, frustrating guys, and even, you know, created that... Uh, late turnover for the Knicks that essentially sealed the game for the Nets. Like that high-level energy defense and the physicality and athleticism he brings is much needed on this team given some of the weaknesses other players have. Nick, I just I stumbled upon this tweet where I've, I don't want to divert away from Bruce Brown, but uh, Jan, at Janovic05, 
tweeted out, did Katie just say trop petit, as in too small in French? Look, I'm trying to read it. I'm trying to watch this video. I know you've posted it as well. It looks like he might. Does Katie know French, Nick? I mean, he could. He could know just enough, maybe. I don't know. I mean, that's high-level trash talk. Maybe a little extra study session for that hate for Evan Fournier. In the French oh, no, team, no, obviously the Olympic stuff too. Maybe that's yeah, something no, that they say. And, and he, he said a few little things here and there. He, he's been like on public enemy number one. Seems like him and Eric Adams are a prime A, prime B candidate in, in that respect as well. So And they both look, got cooked today. No, they both <laughs> definitely got cooked uh, to the to the highest degree. So that uh, love love the trash talk from KD. He's a, a premier number one trash talker in the NBA. Drill and B, take your seat, son, in that regard. But yeah, back to Bruce Nick. He's just He's just playing quality, quality level basketball, and the Nets need it. And and that's a, a credit to him, obviously. You know w- what they need from him on both ends of the floor. You know it's going to continue to be valuable, given the absences that they do have, and probably in the postseason as well. In certain matchups where he's going to have to do a few things here and there, continue to cut hard, continue to play solid level defense, use that floater, take a couple of threes every now and then. But you know credit to to BB because he's been great. Yeah, and he's the only net I feel truly confident in fighting through a screen and getting back in position and not kind of getting blown up and causing issues on the play. He's the only guy that can really fight through the screen, blow up a couple of dribble handoffs, and also get himself back into the play where he's able to have some level of impact on the shot. So credit him. Like you said, he's going to be crucial in an array of different playoff matchups. For sure. Let's get to the next big man, Nick. We'll start with Andre Drummond. Eight of eight from the field in 27 minutes, two of five from the free throw line. 10 boards, three of them offensive. Did have a block, also 18 points to go with his performance. Andre Drummond has just been super solid for, for the Nets. And uh, his, his impact since you know becoming a Brooklyn Net has been immense. Yeah, they needed his scoring punch today. You know, today wasn't all wide open dunks and layups. There was a couple of post moves working Mitchell Robinson in there, just using his footwork, some nice touches. Obviously, two of five from the free throw line, not ideal, but that's what you get with Drummond. And then just the presence on the boards, you know, obviously had 10, but three offensive. He's just that big guy the Nets have. Like, he's a true traditional center. You know, his game's not extremely versatile, but he's able to find ways to impact the game. And the chemistry with KD is definitely improving as well. No, definitely. And, you know, I still, I always look to this number because I, I, it still shocks me. The efficiency differential in terms of points put, scored per 100 possessions and points allowed per 100 possession. With Andre Drummond on the floor for the Nets, 211 minutes plus 10. That's third overall behind only Kevin Durant and Seth Curry. And that's in the 93rd percentile. So it just shows you, you know, the impact has been, you know, certainly there and then some. And, you know, he's doing so many different things for, for this Nets team and providing a a, un, a skill set that the Nets have sorely needed for a very, very long time. Yeah, and he's different than a lot of the other bigs of his ability of being so big and able to finish so fast. Like, you get him down there, he can throw down a dunk, he can put in a layup, but he also can take one dribble and just hit you with a quick post move where a lot of the other bigs either don't have the physical strength. You know, Clax is kind of 50-50. Blake doesn't really have that athleticism anymore, and LaMarcus is kind of more lethargic and will kind of get into it rather than just have that quickness in him. So Drummond's able to capitalize. And, you know, we talk about a lot how this team is perfect for Seth Curry, but in some ways it's perfect for Andre Drummond, especially when all the scorers are out there, not even tonight. In the matchup you saw against Charlotte, he's just getting fed down low and able to eat because the floor is so well-spaced. Or, you know, there's that one non-shooter making the attack on the rim, be it Bruce Brown or James Johnson. Oh, we can just drop it off to Drummond. He can throw it down. 
Yeah, Corey Waldron wouldn't be happy about these performances, <laughs> sure, validating his top 50s. Maybe we have to bring it back and I'll have to throw Andre Drummond in there and eat some crow, eat my own words, because he's but been... the difference, though, is that he's impacting in the small ways. You know, he's doing the dirty things. You know, like you've mentioned a lot on the show, Jack, his screening has been huge for this team because he's just a hard human to get through because he's that large. Yeah, he's big. He's a big, big boy. He's wide, so- too. He's wide. He's he's he's. I'm not going to say girthy. I'll just say pause, uh, like Kevin Durant <laughs> said when he's used words like that before. But uh, I think that because we have Katie, we've got Kyrie, guys that just know how to utilize space advantages yep. more than many other players in the NBA, and all they need is a slither of it. Andre Drummond gets you that space, and because you know Bruce is a pretty solid screener as well, but Clax has still got some work to do there. You know, I think James Johnson's okay at it also. It's just that little thing, you know, he's not Rudy Gobert, screen assist extraordinaire, but he can certainly do enough to give advantages to our superstars that, you know, they don't need, but it certainly helps them. Yeah, and another thing, he's able to use these skills because teams are typically scrambling or giving more attention to Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving. So now they're at a position, he's able to use his size to keep them out of that position. You know, he's great at sealing people in the paint and opening lanes. You know, today there was a play where Goran got a free layup because Andre was able to just seal off his his defender and it was just easy money. And that's the type of thing that's the small things you can do that impact winning basketball. And that's been the biggest difference for him this season in general, even earlier with Philadelphia. He was making winning plays instead of worrying about statistics. That's what you need from your bigs. That's what you need from yep. your role players. And and Clax is continuing to do that as well, Nick. Yep. 10 points, 4 or 6 in the field, 2 or 3 from the free throw line, 5 boards, 2 of them offensive, had a dime, had 2 steals, had a block. Clack City, I think the stocks are starting to rise a little bit, Nick. You know, they, we're not selling much, but the rents is starting. There are a lot of people renting some new properties. They're believing again in Clack City, bitch. Yeah, in Clack City. I just got to give you credit, Jack. That was as perfect of a segue as you can have from Drummond to Clack. So, but like you said, the market is on the rise in Clack City. Things are looking good. He's also buying into the small things and we've preached about his defense, you know, in the off season and recaps last season, whatever it is, there's just a, a couple plays every game where you see him out there defensively, where he's just locking things up, creating a turnover, creating a bad possession, using his athleticism and length and making plays. And that's just such a huge factor. When you have all these elite offensive weapons, you need to have those guys that can create wins on the other end of the floor and cover up other things. And Clax can be that guy. And offensively, I think he's starting to look a little bit more confident too, be it in the short roll, be it finishing in the paint and rebounding. There's plays where there's a play today where he just skied up. He was the highest man and he got the board. His athleticism is something that I think we forget about a little bit too. He's a very unique player with a very unique skill set and combination of skills to go with that athleticism. Obviously, switchability is probably his premier skill as a as a big man. You know, he's a guy that is is very very versatile. You know, I think he's continuing to work on his offensive game. But we are seeing those improvements, and yep. all he needs to do is be out there because when Nicholas Claxton is out there for extended periods, he gets better. He impacts the game, and a lot of that has been because of his lack of availability. Some of it's his circumstance. Some of it's fluky. Some of it's out of his control. But he is just such a unique player and gives this team a, a unique profile on both ends of the floor. And he's looking confident with the ball in his hands as well, like you sort of alluded to, Nick. And I just think that you know, you, you pointed out the, on your Twitter the the absence of LaMarcus Aldridge is giving Nicholas Claxton a unique opportunity to, to impact and, and get some reps out there. And we're seeing right now that I think Clax is a, a pretty important player to this Nets team in, in, in a lot of matchups. And 
look, it's a discussion we can have in the postseason and, and other matchups and maybe in some general pods when we do them on the weekend or whatever. But Clax gives this team something that not a lot of other bigs do, let alone players in general, because he just has so much so much unique specialness um, and in terms of, especially on the defensive side of the floor. And then he's, he's improving as a rebound. He's improving yep. in, in all the other little areas and just confidence and consistency. Yeah, it's something you said to me. He's becoming more of a big rather than almost like a niche type player. You know, it felt like last year was like, yeah, he's a lob threat. He can switch. He doesn't really do much where he's starting to find ways to impact the game. You know, going back to the Philadelphia game, he played defense on Joel Embiid and did a good job. And today, you know, defensively saw more of the versatility to him taking on guards and different uh, assignments and also providing some help defense. He's just able to create impact plays on the end of the floor. And like you said, I think it's probably a blessing in disguise that he's going to get these minutes and build up his confidence because this is three straight good games from Nick Claxton. And, and they all weren't the same game either. You know, there are different ways he was having an impact on the floor and you just want to see him continue to build that up because like you said, in the playoffs, he's going to matter. He's a guy that's perfect for numerous matchups and just allows you to play a different style. And then the combination of him with other plus defenders that the Nets do have and, you know, KD, Ben Simmons and Bruce Brown, okay, now we can really do some stuff where now we have some offensive pluses in a lineup and we have some defensive pluses. Three straight games, three straight wins for the Knicks. Uh, for the Nets, sorry. Um, it's, it's, it's six it's, straight was, wins over the Knicks, if you wanted to know. No, it, it, it's, I was trying to think of like, I'm like Nick Claxton, Nets, and it's just, it came out Knicks. So I was thinking of Nick Claxton, ladies and gentlemen. Please don't cancel me as a, a Nets <laughs> But no, Nick Claxton, is, it's continued to be tremendous, Nick. And, in terms of the other role players, obviously Dragic, Patty Mills wasn't amazing today. James Johnson was James Johnson. Cam Thomas, you know, there's some issues, I think, with some of his health stuff. You take it wherever you want to go with it, mate. Yeah, let's touch on Goran. Uh, I've really enjoyed watching Goran play as a net. I just have enjoyed having a traditional point guard. I think that's been an issue all season. You know, James Harden filled that role sometimes, but his performances were kind of all over the place and he wants to play a specific style where Goran just kind of goes with the flow, finds guys, had six assists, seven points, three of eight from the field, one of four from three, uh, two steals, one block, three rebounds. I like his grittiness too. You know, he was willing to defend, you know, Julius Randle a couple of times, was able to force a steal late in this game, had a little bit of something to say for Julius as well. So Goran's just a gamer. And it's also kind of crazy that he played 39 minutes at his age with such short ramp up time. No, definitely. And I think that that's, that's saying something. And, and you know, he's, he's impacting, he's got competitiveness. You know, he's doing little things defensively as well. You know, he's play, he was plus three tonight, you know, probably... You know, six times his, his playmaking obviously is great, and two steals and a block from Goran Dragic. Not sure how many times in his uh, career he's had you know such high level in in the stocks stat line, but yeah, he's just doing all the things that the Nets have needed him to do, and, and what they acquired him for. Yeah, I'd say most of the game was great from him from a basketball IQ perspective. He did have the late clear path foul on Julius Randle, which was a big swing in the game. Obviously the refs probably should have called Randle for a foul for tackling KD, but again, you know, ahead of your play in that situation. But for the most part, Goran's making smart plays on the court and just makes some of those like little crafty plays where you're like, mm, that that's just what you get from a veteran. Obviously shooting wise, you know, love to see him knock down a couple more three pointers, but he's really more so out there to run the show offensively than, you know, be a 20-point score or anything like that. That's all we need from him. And again, six times. And the Nets had 30 of them. You know, Boy alluded to KD having nine and Bruce having five. You know, it's just good ball movement. And and the Nets look better when that ball is fizzing around. And Goran Dragic, 
as a as a piece to add on top of that has been important for the Nets offensive identity especially so continue to do good things there uh, Nick who did you want to jump into next yeah I mean let's touch on Cam obviously only played eight minutes in this game like I mentioned before we hopped on his back seems to be a real issue. You know, it seems like he's not healthy. He was very hesitant, wasn't really moving well. Could be the 1 p.m. start or could just be an extra level of stiffness. Just something to keep an eye on. This felt like a game, you know, going into it, you know, we found out with the late scratch of Seth Curry that, hey, Cam plays 20 minutes, drops, you know, 10, 15 points, alleviate some pressure off Kevin Durant because of his last performance against the Knicks. But you could just tell something wasn't really right with him out there. Yeah, I mean, back issues within the Brooklyn Nets. You know, the Nets chiropractors, if they've got some, are certainly going to be earning their paycheck yeah. of late. So hopefully Cam gets himself right and, and everything's okay behind the scenes. And it just was a little bit of a stinker of a performance and rather than any injury issues. But like you alluded to, the optics, so it didn't look great. So, And speaking of Ben Simmons, apparently, according to Steve Nash, I know you got some uh, some word from Wojnarowski as well, Nick, but this is via Alex Schiffer. He's going to continue to rehab and strengthen his back uh, continue to get more mobility and more dynamic movement every day. Oh, please play Ben Simmons. I just wanted to play. Yeah, and we heard from Malika Andrews before the game started. She said she talked to Sean Marks, and there was optimism he'd return this regular season, which isn't great wording. And obviously the Nets are trying to eliminate as much pressure from Ben Simmons as possible. But it is concerning. And like I mentioned to you, it, it kind of feels like almost maybe more more so – a, more than an aggravation or like a high level aggravation or a small injury. Obviously backs are really sensitive. And when you try to turn up, like when you haven't been necessarily playing at your highest level, it seems like an easy situation to aggravate that. And a reason why you want to take it slow and don't want to have a situation similar to last year where, yeah, you get hardened back, but then you lose him in the second round and the most important stretch of the season. Yeah, we know the Nets and their ramp-ups and their cautiousness and their you know, ability to keep things under wraps and that sort of thing. Steve Nash lied about the fact that it's not a back injury. Probably. Hmm. You know, he's he's a pretty good liar on that, and that's not a bad thing. It's just it's just part of the the position. It's part of the head coaching job. So I'm I'm hoping we get Ben back. You know, with at least you know ten games to spare, which is you know in a four games time or something eight games, six games, four games. I, I just want him to be out there because he can just add a lot to this team. And I don't think he needs to assimilate or get to know the guys or whatever because he's been hanging out with them. He's been to the practices, might not be doing much or whatever, but he he knows and understands the, the game of basketball. And, and these guys just play basketball in a lot of respects. It's not like he needs to read the playbooks or whatever. So hopefully Ben is back soon. Yeah, I think his role is pretty carved out in terms of like, do pretty much everything Bruce Brown has done, except at a higher level, you know, because he's a more talented player. And that just makes a lot of sense. Like you can squeeze him right into that Bruce Brown role. I don't know what happens to Bruce's role when that happens. Maybe, you know, that's you eliminate James Johnson. You know what can from, happen, Nick? He can just take James Johnson's 31. I was going to say, you know, James Johnson's probably going to be out of the rotation. And then it's going to be up to Steve Nash to really balance things because obviously Ben is a really unique skill set. Jack, who do you think we see at home first, Ben or Kyrie? I know this is oh, a You question. clearly listened to the Nets Kingdom crossover, didn't you, mate? Throwing <laughs> questions at me. I said I would not answer it. Um, <laughs> I I I think I'll go Kyrie because I think that the external pressure we don't have to worry about it, what Ben Simmons getting a, a guy getting himself right. Mm-hmm. It's sort of up to and maybe that maybe I'm being naive to the fact that that <laughs> could change quicker than Ben Simmons and and the control that he has over his own health and and the back injury or whatever. I know that I think Saints said around that Jazz game uh, as well um, from from Nets Kingdom. 
I'll go around then as well, but I'm getting less optimistic by the day. And that's weird because I'm normally the most optimistic person when it comes to a lot of Nets world and Nets topics. But let's go Kyrie. I'll go with what my gut says, but just give me one of them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think because Kyrie's physically healthy and the only thing holding him back is a mandate. And like we said, you know, this was a big day in terms of applying pressure for that situation where now it feels like it's going to go one of two ways, like where it's going to change or Adams is going to lean into that where Ben is just kind of a complete mystery because we haven't really got any factual information about the whole situation since the start. You know, we've just kind of gotten little vague descriptions of how it's going. So, and it seems almost like he has a long way to go in the sense of like, he hasn't done one on zero work, one on one work. Like he still needs to, as Nash said, move dynamically. Definitely. And look, all these little words here and there. And I think we've, when we hear about how KD was sort of conter- returning, you know, he had to do sort of three high-intensity workouts. Yep. Doesn't look like Ben's even done one, so yeah. he's a, a ways away. And it feels like he's a week of, away from doing one. Yeah, and uh, and in in saying that, you know, it took Kevin around what was it like a week to get those sort of three high-intensity workouts in. So once he does one, that's just going to be like okay, then the the hor- the the return is nigh. The return is on the horizon. Yeah, so hopefully it's by the end of this month, that'd be the most ideal situation. But who really knows at this point? And, you know, Patty Mills could probably use a little help, you know, from his Australian brother and Ben Simmons had another rough stretch. And like we've talked about in previous shows, you know, he's better when he's in his role that he played the last two games in the game against Philly in the game against Hornets. When you ask him to do more, he's put into a more pressure situation. It's hard for him to maintain that level. And I think maybe he feels the pressure a touch too, given how he's performed over the last month. Yeah. I mean, Seth Curry being out, you know, we've sort of seen him you know, since, since Seth has returned. It's allowed him to be that sort of San Antonio Spurs like role, come off the bench you know, make quick decisions, not have the ball in his hand for extensive periods, not have a high workload or high responsibility. But yeah, he was poor tonight, you know, one of nine from three, you know, two of 11 from the field. It's just, we know what board Paddy Mills can be. We've seen the the best and some of the worst of him this year as well. But uh, it's been an overwhelmingly good season for from Paddy Mills here. We don't want him to be, well, at least I don't want him to be Olympic Paddy Mills for an extended stretch because, you know, he's doing that for a couple of weeks at international tournaments. He's not doing it for 82 games and, 16 you know player performances or whatever else it might be um, going forward so i just want seth to be healthy and ben to be healthy and all these guys to be healthy because availability you know is something that you alluded to when we spoke with chris mulholland it's just going to be the thing that can change this team we've seen what they can be like when and they've got a, a healthy kettle of fish you know they can dominate against some of the best teams you know even when they don't have that full kettle of fish as well so Hopefully a, a lesser burden. Hopefully the, the ankle injury for Seth Curry isn't too serious because Paddy Mills has looked pretty good outside of you know, a, a few games here and there since Seth has, has become a Brooklyn net. Yeah, I think Paddy's just been great as a six-man. Like you said, that's his perfect role in the NBA and allows him to be the best version of himself. So uh, Seth, I think, will be back. It seemed like it was just kind of ankle soreness, and given it was a 1, p- a 1 p.m. game, they weren't able to kind of get enough uh, treatment on it for him to feel 100%. So it seemed like he should be good for the Magic game. That's fingers and toes crossed. Yeah, we never know with this team because everything turns into way worse than what it was supposed to be. But, Jack, anything else you want to touch on from this game? Look, James Johnson fouled out in 31 minutes. Good for him. 
honestly, you know, James Johnson wasn't terrible. And especially in a game where you don't have any offense of your offensive weapons going, you know, Cam wasn't going, Patty wasn't going. Maybe you lean a little bit more into the toughness and the grittiness. And, you know, you need some more rebounding and physicality. James Johnson wasn't terrible in that extent. He did have three steals and had five assists. So he had some type of impact, but he's not the number one option. And like we said, when Ben is hopefully back, he's able to suck up all those minutes and more. For sure. And and one thing I do want to say is for people that might not get the chance to watch Kevin Durant consistently or have forgotten his greatness, I think that that has become too common. You know, yeah. when he was playing Nick consistently before the injury, Herb Jones elbowing, fist arming Bruce Brown onto his knee, he was one of the top two or three MVP contenders. Yeah. We obviously had had our bias and thought he was probably leading in that department. But when he is playing and when he is healthy, Kevin Durant is the most unstoppable player in the NBA. He's a good enough defensive player as well when he's locked in as well, but no one can do what he does on the court. He's one of the 10 best players to ever step foot on the court. And when you see him play like games like tonight and put 50 points together, like it's light work. This is this don't never discount Kevin Durant and then don't forget how great he really is. Yeah, a hundred percent, Jack. I mean, this is a matchup today. Like I said, he wasn't getting really any scoring punch from any of his guards. There wasn't much help. The Knicks were sending a ton of attention his way. Hit contested shot after contested shot. Was able to just make the most of the opportunity and carry this team to a win. And like you said, he can do this against almost anyone, especially if you just give him Seth Curry, like just another floor spacer, another guy that can create and score a little bit out there. Now all of a sudden, like he is even looking more deadly. And I think it's just. KD is when he's locked into a certain moment and when he's just like in that level of engagement in which he's been for most of his time as a Brooklyn net, he's just playing it. Like you said, the highest level in the NBA, because it's just, you're not impacting him. He's impacting the game more than a defender is impacting him in terms of the shot he's taking. There are many defenders, you know, in the, since he stepped foot on the court that have impacted him in a meaningful way. And he's Mitchell Robinson got the rare block on a Kevin Durant jump shot. It's, you know, once, once every couple hundred games. Yeah, no, look, and, and look, he, in his age 33 season as well, I think it's not, look, we, we give LeBron James all the credit in the world doing what he's doing at 37, which is incredible. But Kevin Durant is in his mid to late, mid mid 30s right now. And he's playing the, a level of basketball where he's averaging 29 points a game. You know, he yeah. hasn't averaged 29 points a game since 2013-14, which I'm pretty sure is the year where he won the MVP. He yep. is playing unparalleled basketball for a guy that is in age 33 and coming off an Achilles injury. We, we know all that. And, but I think it is it is a nice reminder to go, look at where he is. Let's take a step back and go, God damn, KD, the Slim Reaper, as he wants to be known now. Yeah, I mean, and he's had a rotating array of help. You know what I mean? One game, it's Kyrie. One game, it's nobody. One game, it's part-time you know, Kyrie or part-time James Harden throughout the season and all these different factors. And he's still able to just go out there and perform at an extremely high level and put him in a situation he's going to find a way to impact it and push his team as close as possible to a win, if not sealing the deal. He is, he is KD. He is the Slim Reaper. That he is. And obviously, it's a blessing to watch him play for the Nets. But Jack, anything else on this game? Look, let's get people behind the scenes very quickly, Nick. If you stuck with us, you deserve to know. Nick and I had to re-record this bad boy, and hopefully we still gave you guys the juice sort of because we blame technical difficulties, and I will blame, I'm will i going to call up Skype myself, Nick, and, and make a formal complaint because we might be one of the only two people who still use this platform <laughs> as a podcasting recording thing, so they should be giving us some sort of sponsorship and some sort of credence for it. I mean, come on. 
Yeah. Uh, I think we did a pretty good job for the re-record, which is usually tough because we're repeating the same thing. Maybe we're just trying to deliver it a different way. But again, at least it was a Nets win. If it was a loss, Jack, I don't know what we would have done in that situation. We would have figured it out, but it wouldn't have been as fun. As always, though, big thanks, everybody, for listening. Jack, always fun recording with you. And every time we do, we get something good. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.